You're listening to the Stellar Life Project podcast. My name is Deborah Stellingworth. I'm obsessed with systems and strategies to help you create a sustainable lifestyle and still enjoy optimal success on your terms in your career or business. The Stellar Life Project is about how we can make a difference in the world, first for ourselves and then for others. I've had successful careers in education and business before my hyperachiever, perfectionist tendencies led me to such extreme burnout that I woke up to find both my health and my marriage in crisis. On my journey to find a better way, I created the Stellar Life Project, which led me to create a coaching business that supports others on their path to establishing a sustainable lifestyle, doing the work they love and generating the income they want. In this podcast, I share from my experience as business owner and coach, and I host conversations with inspiring leaders and business owners to give you the tried and true strategies to help you expand and create your own stellar life. Hello, and welcome back to the Stellar Life Project podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest. Well, all my guests are special. And today's guest is the person who I can say I learned the most from about business and systems and leadership when I was running my real estate practice and I worked on his team. He's a top producing Vancouver realtor. He is an international speaker. And I am so excited for you to hear what he's got to share about bouncing back from burnout, recognizing the signs of burnout, and creating a stellar life on his terms. I'm so happy to introduce to you my friend, Keith Roy. Welcome, Keith, to the Stellar Life Project podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. I've been so looking forward to this interview because You are the person who I think of when I think of somebody who is a real example of what's possible. And I'll tell you more about that later, but welcome to the show. I appreciate that. I'm I'm pleased to be here. I'm looking forward to listening to more of these when they all start coming out. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the reason I say that you're the person who I think of when I think of possibilities, because the first time I saw you, and I don't know if I ever told you this, the first time I saw you, we were both realtors. Well, you're still a realtor. I'm not anymore, but we're both realtors at McDonald Realty in Vancouver. And it was my first sales meeting. And in that particular office, everybody got up and said, I've got this for sale. I've got this for sale. I've got this listing. And you had three on the board and you stood up and added three more. And I said to myself, I want to know who he is and how he did that. Yeah, that, that was probably the best week I ever had. That You just happened to show up on that one week. <laughs> what was really cool about that for me, though, is that I was starting in a new profession and I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So I was like looking for somebody who could show me what was possible. And what I'm curious about is who was that person for you? The first thing that comes to mind with the same story in that same office, you'll recall the number one guy in town was a guy named Lauren. And when I first started, I actually sold six houses in my first six weeks in real estate. I didn't have an option for failure. I just had to figure it out. I got my license on a Tuesday. I listed a house on a Wednesday. I double-ended it Sunday, and I just kept selling houses. But in the first two or three weeks, I went to the manager of the company, and I said, I'd like a desk in the bullpen because I've got a lot going on, and I want to get a lot more work done. He said, well, 
you either have to do six deals or make X number of dollars to get a desk. And I said, okay. So six weeks later, I'd done my sixth deal and I came back and I said, I'd like a desk in the office now. He said, I already told you, you need to do this. We're pretty strict on that. I said, well, great. Here's my sixth deal. I'd like a desk. And he says, we don't have any desks. I said, well, that's not acceptable. You've lied to me. You told me to do six deals. I want a desk. Go kick someone out of here because there's lots of people here who haven't done six deals this year, let alone in the last month and a half. And he kicked a guy out of a desk and he asked me where I wanted to sit. And I actually picked the desk that looked at Lauren's office. And the reason I picked that is because I wanted to see how it worked. I wanted to see how a big team ran. I wanted to see how the big players worked. And I liked some of it and I didn't like some of it. The work ethic was unbelievable. And I just sat there and I paid attention for the better part of a year. And I just, and then I had enough sales and I was busy enough that I got my own private office because I had my own thing to move on to do. But I just paid attention to what someone else was doing. You know, it's all the old cliches, but they're, they're cliches because they're real. Success leaves clues. Someone has done this before. Just follow the path. There's a mm-hmm. recipe. And just figure out what you're looking for. And I just happened to be in front of you when you showed up and someone else was in front of me when I showed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Key there. Pay attention because there's somebody else who's done it. So many people, you and I both heard this. We'd be like, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to be successful. Pay attention. Success leaves clues. There's other people who've done it. So the Stellar Life Project podcast is about helping people to see possibilities for getting into their zone of genius and living in and from their zone of genius, as we've talked about this before, how that makes such a big difference in your overall happiness. And tell me about that for you. Like, what is your story of discovering your zone of genius? Yeah, if if I take you through the real estate journey, realtors are required to work with buyers and sellers. And I realized over time that those are very different skill sets. The skills required to help someone buy a home is different than the skill sets required to market, show, develop listing plans, and ultimately negotiate transactions. And the negotiation skills are different on either side of it. And I realized I was a lot better at the listing side than I was at the buyer's side. Fortunately, the listing side takes about a third as much time as the buy side, so it was the most efficient path as well. And I built a team around me. I built people around me that allowed me to just do more and more listings. And that grew over time. Started, you know, business grew. Things were good. Had the right people helping out the buyers. Had the right people doing the administrative side. At one point, you joined our team for Mm -hmm. a while. And it allowed me to step back even further into more of a leadership role. And just kind of naturally focusing on, oh, I feel good when I do this particular task. I don't feel as good or I feel bad when I'm Mm -hmm. doing this other task. Why am I doing this other task? And unfortunately, some of us have to do both things, right? Mm -hmm. The, The typical realtor has to work with buyers and sellers. The average person has a number of tasks in their life or their job that they don't like to do. But if you're a small business owner or you're just pursuing your own tasks or or job or just life passion, Mm -hmm. you can figure out, you know, just stop and recognize it inside of you. I feel good when this is happening. Like I really, I was doing a deal the other day and it was, I did it on the hood of someone's car. I hadn't done that in a long time. You know, we just don't get together anymore. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like, this feels good. I like doing the deal. But one time I was sitting in an open house and it was nice sunny day. The place didn't have air conditioning. I was smoking hot. It was a terrible experience. And my friends were texting me pictures from the boat that they were on. I was like, this does not feel good. I'm going to stop doing this thing 
and do mm-hmm. more of this other thing. And it's just about being aware of your surroundings and your experiences as you're going through your day and make notes of it, keep track of it and move more towards the things that feel good and move away from and ultimately eliminate the things that don't. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I've witnessed you do that as you created the team and as you shared and our listeners probably didn't know that I was on your team for a while. And it was so interesting to me because I learned so much from you about how to run a business, how to be a leader and how to move towards those things that you want and away from those things that don't feel good. And I would love for you to take us a layer deeper and make this a little bit more real for somebody who's listening who maybe isn't a realtor because um, one of the things that we know is that the realtor experience is very unique and yet your zone of genius, it transfers and translates to other places. Like my zone of genius is teaching and coaching and that kind of leadership. And I wasn't getting enough of it in real estate. And we knew that. And you tried to help me through that. And helping me through that was this discovery that led me here today. But there were things that I got to do in real estate that I knew that feels good. You got to teach clients about the process. Exactly. You, got to, you would host the odd seminar. Like you love that. Yeah. But, you know, the average realtor is doing you know, six or eight deals a year. You were doing 25 to 40 deals a year. So you had a lot of opportunities to teach people. But if you think that through in a, in a calendar year, you only get to teach 40 people. Yeah, it wasn't That's not enough, enough for, for me. you. No, it absolutely wasn't enough for me. But I found a way to get more of that for myself and I moved in that direction. But what I want people to understand is that Zone of Genius isn't career specific because I have my genius as a teacher. I was a teacher. Then I moved to real estate, wasn't getting enough, moved into a space now where I totally get enough of teaching and supporting people in the way that lights me up and energizes me. But if you were to suddenly be told you can't do real estate anymore, where would you go with your zone of genius? Yeah, I, I go into development and I'm, I'm already, I do a bit of development now. We're renovating a multifamily project in two different cities right now. And I'm leading that team. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. I, I like leading a team. I like leading a small team. I've, I've never had, you know, a hundred employees under me. I lead a small team. I like to focus on who they are, make sure they're happy in their roles. And then my special skill in life has always been, I can see the end. I can, I can see what the deal looks like in a, something as small as a real estate transaction. I can mm. see how a building is going to come together, how a renovation or a project is going to come together. And I don't know how to do most of the stuff in the middle. For those of you listening and not looking on camera, I'm like 140 pounds soaking wet. I, I've never been particularly handy or, or skilled. I went to a prep school. I remember asking the teachers, like, where do I sign up for shop class? And they said, this is a prep school. You can pay someone to do that. And now it turns out that that's a really expensive thing to pay for. Mm. But I can't do any of that. But I can see the end and I can see how all the pieces come together. And that's just my skill set. And so project management, one way or another, whether I'm managing a real estate team, I'm managing something as small as selling a project, like selling a home, that's a, a mini project, or renovating multifamily properties, that it's just project management and putting mm-hmm. the pieces together. Yes. That's, that's my skill set. And that's the, the thing that I want to capture for the listeners, that your zone of genius is the ability to see the end. Yeah. And actually, it brings to mind, uh, before I was on your team and we, the, we did a deal together. And I was representing the buyer and you were the seller. And you're like, here's how this is going to end. How many rounds do you want it to go? Yeah. And that's 
That's just where it goes. It's just where it goes. And it's also, you, you do see that. And so I want listeners to understand that your zone of genius is not a specific task. Like it's not writing real estate deals. It's being able to see where it's going to end and see how to make the moves, almost like a chess game. Yeah. Being able to see where the, how to make those moves so you can get to a certain end. Yeah. Your zone of genius is teaching. I think my zone of genius is just seeing all the pieces play together. It's almost as if I can see them moving around the board. And I'd probably be good at chess if I played it, but you know, I can just see all the pieces. And I quite often get impatient while waiting for the process to play out because I know how it's going to end. And this is just a waste of my time. And it ultimately just ends exactly where I thought it was going to end. I want to talk about your, when you talk about your impatience and you're like, this is how it's going to end and give me my office. And, and some people might think, well, it's so easy for Keith and he's so privileged. And I, I actually recall some women in our office. There was a women, I don't know if they were a team or they were just teaming up for marketing. And they said, oh, we're not going to market in that neighborhood because we don't want to go up against Keith Roy. So there's actually two parts to that question. One is like, how do you get this confidence? Where does this come from? And when people say, well, it's so easy for him, what would you tell them? Yeah. I was raised as a confident kid. I'm an only child raised by a single mother. I've got some step-siblings and some half-siblings through other parental relationships. But at, at the end of the day, at my core, I'm an only child raised by a single mother. I was always told I was going to be famous and I was always told I was going to be rich. And so it just, it didn't even occur to me that anything else was possible. My, my mom actually told me I was going to be like Michael J. Fox. That was growing up. That's what I was told I was going to be. I do have some natural confidence. I've been through periods of depression and frustration and some health problems, as I've told you in the past. Mm -hmm. And I don't like feeling like that. So rather than accept it, I just realized, like, I don't want to feel like this. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to that just being conscious about how you feel. How does something feel physically, emotionally? Like, I don't like this feeling. I want to feel better. I'm going to go make myself feel better. And if that means I got to spend an hour every morning reading something positive and doing the morning routines and going to the gym every day, I'm going to do that. And it's going to take some time. It's not going to be immediate. I've never had to overcome, you know, like a smoking addiction. I've never had to overcome weight loss, right? Like I can, I can lose weight by lifting a Big Mac to my mouth. It's just the sheer weight of the <laughs> mm-hmm. double patties is so heavy. You're the only person I know who has an electric bike. Because if you ride a regular bike, yeah. you're going to lose too much weight. Yeah. If I just pedal everywhere, like I'd wither away to nothing. <laughs> it's just a different, it's a different problem, right? Mm-hmm. For most people, it sounds like a good problem. It's just, you know, you're uniquely qualified to deal with your own problems. Yes. And that I have, I have mm-hmm. my own problems. So all of this is a roundabout way to say for the confidence issue, I just don't like feeling bad. So I do the things I need to do to feel good. Mm -hmm. And that gives you the confidence to move forward with whatever you want. And I want to highlight that for the listeners is like choosing to feel good. I've talked about that in other episodes, but choosing to feel good. And and if you didn't have a parent who told you you're going to be rich, you're going to be famous, which most of us didn't, you can tell yourself that. Happiness is a choice. And there's some days I choose to not be happy. That's it. That's okay. I'm going to just choose to be a complete asshole today because I'm upset because I'm cranky because I've had a mm-hmm. bad day because the weather's garbage. And, and some days I make that choice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as long as more often than not, you're choosing to move forward in a direction that makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to those people 
We're like, I'm not going to go up against, I'm not going to market in that area because I don't want to go up against Keith Roy. Yeah, that was probably just a smart decision on their part. <laughs> well, largely because they were at the same brand, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're at the same brand as a marketing, find your niche to go after. Mm-hmm. That's more of a, a business question, right? Like find mm-hmm. your niche to go after some a share of the market that you have a chance at. When, when I've always marketed in real estate, I've always asked, okay, is there another realtor who looks like me in that marketplace? Because you can't tell the difference between me and like some other skinny white guy. We all look the same. So why would I buy the grocery store ads when he has the bus benches? No one's going to know the difference between us. I'm not going to go up against someone at the same brand because there's no, and you know, in real estate, there's only mm-hmm. so many brands out there. I can't compete against the same brand on brand. So I lose a big competitive mm-hmm. edge. You know, pick your fights carefully. That was probably just a smart business move on their part. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, you might have interpreted that as them being uniquely afraid of me. And mm-hmm. I show up with enough confidence and bravado to kind of keep some people away. That's just part of the fake it till you make it school of thought. Right. You know, and, acting as if. And there's, I mean, what I want to tell those women is that there's room in the market for you. Maybe not marketing that particular neighborhood, but that mentality of like, oh, I'm not going to go up against that. I'm not going to start this business or that business, whether it be real estate or coaching or any other business, because there's other people doing it. Yeah, just figure out how you're different. Make sure you're different enough and then go after them. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't even have to go after their market share. Go after a different market share in the same market. But if you just try and go and take out someone's market share, it's extra work that might just be unnecessary. But if there's a weakness there, if they're underperforming, if they give poor service, if you know that they're questionable, you know, they have questionable ethics, you can take someone out. I've taken people out in marketplaces because I was just different enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you can out, you can out hustle someone in their own marketplace, but think it through. Don't, don't go in with blind confidence. You got to put some thought and some mm-hmm. science behind who you're going to take out in a marketing sense. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I always appreciated about you when we were working together is how strategic you are because I am too. And I love systems. Like one of my first experiences of you after that day in the office was you were doing the training for the company and you invited me to some other training through another organization. And I was like, oh yes, systems. Oh my gosh, I love systems. And because, education. Well, that's what it is too. It's like teaching is all about systems. You do a lesson plan and then you have a unit plan and then you have a bigger year plan and you're all leading towards a final goal. And so, of course, I looked for that when I was out in that space. And one of the things I appreciated about you is that you had the systems. And so when I joined your team, because I'd copied your systems, so that's another thing. Pay attention and do what the people who are successful are doing. And you're not always going to get an opportunity to join their team as I did. But if it works, why reinvent the wheel? And so I love that you were, you were focused on efficiency and having systems that made your life easier. So what is your favorite system? So in real estate, like many other business, it's a business of personal, personal trust and service. People like to do business with people they know, like, and trust. There's a small component of the market that likes to work with a neighborhood expert or, a, you know, in any other business, a product expert. But at the end of the day, networking's still a thing. People like to work with people they know, like, and trust. So I realized that I needed to build a system to communicate with the people I know, like, and trust. You know, there's three parts of that. I want to be top of mind. I want to build relationships. And I want to establish expertise. Those are the three pillars of how you communicate with your client 
your potential clients, mm-hmm. your database, um, your market. Mm-hmm. Build relationships, establish expertise, and the third one, which just escaped. Be top of mind. Be top of mind, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I was counting because yeah. I'm like, grab a pen, everybody. Yeah, those mm-hmm. those are huge, right? Mm-hmm. So I built a system that keeps me top of mind and communicates with people somewhere between 25 and 35 times a year, depending on how mm-hmm. what level they're at and when I hear from them. I talk to them as regularly as possible. And that keeps me top of mind by communicating with them one-on-one. I build relationships and the material I send out establishes me as an expert. But I went even further with that because I realized, oh, this is a lot of people to talk to. I don't really like talking to people that much. I'd rather just, you know, not talk to people. What if I could talk to a lot of people at the same time and still get that relationship feeling to occur without taking 45 minutes to talk to everybody a couple times a year? So I started hosting big parties. And for me, that just worked out really well. I, I'd have 400 people over on a Saturday over a 12-hour period. You've mm-hmm. been to these parties. Mm-hmm. Lots of people have been to these parties, obviously. And it would give me a chance to say, hi, how you doing? Welcome to my house. They'd see me. They felt like they had a relationship mm-hmm. with me. We did have a relationship, but it was like it happened really quickly for me. It was like a really efficient way to build yeah. a relationship. And so that system has given me a ton of freedom. Yes. And I want people to know that it's efficient, but it's also really genuine because you love hosting parties. Yeah. And that's one of your one of your geniuses, too, is being able to host and make people feel welcome. There's just a bunch of moving parts and I see how it all comes together. Yeah. It's a project. It's event management. Mm -hmm. When you go beyond like a six person dinner party, it's project management. And I love it. Mm -hmm. So I like doing that. So it allows me to work in my zone of genius. And can I swear on your podcast? People are looking for shit to do. Mm -hmm. Right. That's just the reality of it. And if you can host them, they will enjoy that. This works in like any small business you could think of, whether you're in insurance sales or you're running a daycare, you're selling a makeup product. Like it doesn't matter what your small business is. People want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And just build a system that establishes you as an expert, keeps you top of mind, Mm -hmm. and builds a personal relationship. And on your side, it's building relationship with people. You as your side is in the business owner. And you get to build relationship with people that you want to hang out with. That's the cool thing about owning our own businesses is that we get to work and hang out with people that we want to be with. Choosing your own clients is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, two, there's two things that will happen. You realize you're, you're really starting to nail it. One, some people will come to you and say, are you willing to take me on as a client? And then you're kind of dialed in. And another time will come, you'll ask yourself, I don't need to work with this person. Do I want to? And those two things combined, Mm -hmm. that's the sweet spot of running any business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keep that in mind. That's one of those tips to pay attention to. Right. You know, you have your zone of genius dialed in. You have systems in place that support you spending the most amount of time in your genius you can. You lead a team of people who are fun to be with. It was hard for me to leave the team because even though I wasn't in my zone of genius, I love the people so much and it's just such a great thing. And yet, even with all of that in place, you still found yourself at one point at um, scaring the crap out of the rest of us with a health crisis. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So I... um I was at a real estate conference in Vancouver, three-day conference, night two of the conference. 
go out for the fancy dinner with everybody and you stay late and you eat the giant steak and the appetizers. And I leave that dinner around nine o'clock. I actually went out and did two more deals between nine o'clock and 11 p.m. that night because I'd been in a conference all day and I still had these this other stuff to work on. And I hadn't carved out the time for the conference properly as I normally would have. Largely because it was in Vancouver. Anyway, so leading up to this, every time my phone rang, I was really cranky and upset. And like, I wanted to throw my phone in the ocean or a lake or under a vehicle, like anywhere other than my hand. My phone would ring and I tense up and Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, this, this will go away. This will go away. Mm -hmm. So finish night two of the conference, have the dinner, big steak, go home, finish the deals, go to bed 11 o'clock, wake up at six. I'm in the shower the next morning on the way to go back down for the conference. And I call my wife, Stephanie, Stephanie, come in here. And she comes in the bathroom and she said, what is it? I said, we need to go to the hospital. And I'm actually this calm. I said, we need to go to the hospital. And she said, why? I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. I can't breathe. And my chest feels like I have an elephant sitting on it. So she's freaking out. I'm like, no, it's fine. Just, just let me get out of here. I'm going to get dressed. We're going to go to the hospital. So I get out. She's kind of getting her stuff together. I'm sitting on the bed and I'm like, can't breathe. Mm-hmm. cannot get, I can't even get like a quarter of a breath in. And I'm like, I'm a fit guy. You know, like I'm exercising, so something's going on. And then I'm thinking, oh God, I think my left arm hurts. Am I having a, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just like making stuff up in my head at this point. And so we get in the car, we go to the hospital. She brings me to the emergency room and they're like, why are you here? I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. And they're like, right this way, sir. Mm-hmm. And they're like, great service. If you ever want like really quick service at the hospital, tell them you think you're having a heart attack. They, they take me right in. They run all these tests, chest x-ray, blood work, up, down, sideways, ECG, KG, I don't know. And he, the doctor comes out. He said, okay, look, you're fine. I think you've had an acid reflux attack combined with a panic attack. I'm like, well, that's not possible because I've never had a panic attack before mm. and I'm in my mid-30s. So acid reflux is the thing that old people get. And he said, well, I need you to go see a cardiologist because there's something weird on one of the charts mm. that we see. Go home, take some, he gave me, I think he gave me Advil, might have given me aspirin, probably aspirin. Sends me home. So I missed day three of the conference. I just sit on the couch, like leave my phone upstairs and I just mm. watch TV all day. And get through the weekend. And then I actually was working on a project down in the States. So I flew down to the States a couple days later for three days and I flew home. And at the end of all this, I have like just a a weird arrhythmic thing in my heart where your heart goes like bump, 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 bump. Mine goes like bump, 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 bump. And it drops. Mm. And this may have been brought on. It may have just been there from birth. It was at the end of all this, I took an eight month sabbatical is what happened. Mm -hmm. And I'd already been kind of planning the sabbatical because I knew this was coming, but I didn't realize how bad it was. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, if you're listening, you have that intuition about, yes. you know, I feel this in my chest when my phone rings. Mm-hmm. When I open my email and I see an email from Jackass client and I want to like freak mm-hmm. out, that's real. Yes. It's so real. And before you talk about the sabbatical because that's a, a different thing because I know you went early because of this and, yeah. and you were said oh I just pushed it down I just ignored the feeling and it is so real and one of the things that I do a lot of my work now is in coaching because I've experienced it I saw you go through it I it's just it's a we have this global epidemic of stress and burnout 
because we're ignoring those signs and we're ignoring our body. And so it's so vital because even though you had all those things in place, you were still ignoring some of the signs. So let's not get caught up in the outward appearance and the structures if you have those signs. Because you could have said to yourself, and I wonder if you did, there's no reason for me to feel this way. Yeah, like none. Right. Like my, my life was good. My finances are good. My family's good. Like everything's fine. And I was just getting the pressure was just welling up. And it was like a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And like I could feel it in my mm. chest. And I just thought, oh, this will go away or this is no big deal. This is just stress in the moment. Yeah. It was an overarching stress. So I go on the sabbatical and we bought we ended up like, fortunately, I'm in a position where we could afford this and I could take the time off and the, mm. the systems were good. Actually, I wasn't sure the systems were good. I wanted to test the systems. Mm. This was this was a cool part of it. I was like, well, maybe if I leave, it'll all fall apart. And then I'll know that everything I built was fake. Mm. And I'll go back and build it again. Or maybe it works and it turns out I actually built something pretty cool. It was about 90%. It performed at about 90% in mm-hmm. my absence, which is pretty, pretty fun to learn. Especially in your field and real yeah. estate, when you kind of need to be here for the yeah. business to work, or at least a lot of realtors believe they have to be fully present yeah. all the time. Yeah, you think you need to do everything yeah. and you, like, you just don't. And I'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a second. So I, I take the sabbatical and we drive across Canada. We drive from Vancouver to Toronto. And I know that's not all the way across Canada, but that's as far as we got. And we took four weeks to do that. And then, and I turned my phone off, like off. Ste- people could text Stephanie if they wanted to get a hold of me. And we used her phone for the map. And I turned my phone off, turned my phone back on, get an airplane ticket. We flew to Iceland. Get to Iceland, turn my phone off. Now I don't even, my phone doesn't work, so it doesn't matter. And we're in Iceland for a month. And at about the two week mark, we're camping in the north of Iceland. And I wake up one morning and I don't feel the need to reach over for my phone. Mm-hmm. I remember this morning, we're in a town called Akureyri in the north of Iceland in this tiny Airbnb. And I wake up and I was like, I love, I sorry, I have to interrupt you because you're like, we're camping. Oh, we're in a tiny Airbnb. We camped our way up there. Okay, and okay. Then, yeah, we did. We were camping in the so, back of a so land. So Keith doesn't think of camping as being staying in Airbnb, no, no, we, just to be clear. We were sleeping on an air mattress in the back of a land cruiser in a town called Mivant. And Mivant is Icelandic for black fly. And it was mm. like, we went to this lake and we were told it was really nice. It was literally Black Fly Lake. We were swarmed by Black Flies. Okay. I mean, it was terrible. So we got an Airbnb for a couple of days in Akureyri. And this it's super small, but I wake up and I don't, I don't feel the need to reach for my phone. Mm. It was the weirdest thing. I'll never forget the feeling. It was just like, huh, I think the stress hormones might have left my body. It's been six weeks. Let's go look at another waterfall. And so we spend two more weeks looking at waterfalls, go through Europe, work our way down to South Pacific. And we're in Australia for a couple of weeks. And then I, we're in Sydney one day and it's raining. And I wake up and I'm like, huh, I'm bored. Mm. We're a couple months into this at this point. I'm like, I haven't been, I don't remember the last time I was bored. Well, this is cool. I watched the entire final season of House of Cards in a day. I'm not even ashamed of that. That season sucked. It was like every episode was worse than the one before. And I just kept watching it. And I left the apartment and I went across the street and I got some food and I came back and I just kept, and Stephanie's like, are you going to do anything? I was like, no, my entire purpose today is to watch an entire season of house Mm -hmm. of cards because I'm bored. And it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I got through the boredom and I found some new ideas and some new purposes and started to explore some new things and read some Mm -hmm. different things. 
And I came back and people were like, you're different. Like I was legit different and you, oh, yeah. you saw it. Right. And I was legitimately different when I came back. Even Stephanie's like, you're a way better person now. I'm more easygoing. I'm, you know, just easy. You know, I'm not like easy breezy, but I'm, I'm pretty chill about most mm-hmm. stuff now. I just like, like, kind of care less about things that don't matter. But I had to take that space and that time. And outward appearances, everything was fine. Business was good. And it was. And then the business lesson I learned from all of that is if you're a team leader, if you're a business owner and you've got people on your team, right now, they are not performing at their highest potential because you are not letting them. And while I was away, people did things that I otherwise would have done and it was fine. Everything was fine. It, like, it was totally fine. You are holding your own people back by your false belief that you have to be involved in everything you're involved in. Yes. Team came up with some new systems. They made some sales. They messed some stuff up. They learned some hard lessons. They left some money on the table. It was great. Yes, and that's true leadership is letting your team do what they can do, empowering the team to do that, giving them the space to discover what they can do. And it took a lot of stress off of you too, to let that go, right? To say, okay, let's see what happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and this is another, a lot of people have email overwhelm. The best way to stop email from coming is to stop sending it. I just didn't send emails to people for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Nobody emailed me. By the end of the sabbatical, I took my email back. It was like two emails a day. It was great. Just eliminated it from my life. Mm-hmm. Moved it on to different, you know, moved personal communication to a different channel and just took that pressure away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're doing better than ever, both in your health and your business. Yeah. I mean, look, I haven't mastered it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably on the verge of another mm-hmm. transition. That was a 20, when do I go on sabbatical? 2018 18. and we're at the end of 2021. It's been a while right? Pushing four years Mm -hmm. since I did that last thing. As we head into the fall, not knowing when you're listening to this, but I've got a week alone booked for myself in October to go away and just Mm. think. Booked myself a thinking week. Like you anticipated my next question. What are you doing for yourself now? Yeah. I do at least 30 minutes of fitness every single day. I'm turning 40 this year. And on my 39th birthday, I made the decision I would work out at least 30 minutes a day for 365 days. And save a three-week reprieve in the middle when I was recovering from the operation that men get in the middle of their life to prevent additional children. I have otherwise worked out that entire time. Mm. And so I feel good. And then, like I said, I've got a week away in October by myself Mm. just for like thinking time. So important. Yeah. Um, I'm going to a, a motivational educational conference in November. And then, as you know, I shut her down December 1st every year. And I take December and January off. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And for somebody who's thinking about taking that time out for themselves, like, they're, oh my gosh, I could never take a week. What advice do you want to give them? Yeah. It's actually easier to take a week than it is to take a day. And it was easier to take eight months than it was to take one month because it forced me to rethink everything. If you go away for a day, you just don't answer your email for a day. And then you come back and you have twice as many emails. If you go away for a week, you kind of have to have someone monitor it, which means you don't have seven days of work when you get back, but you've got like three or four task item things. When you go away for a month, 
you literally have to have someone take care of everything. And so you have to figure out who that person is. You have to solve all those problems before you go. And it forces you to get really efficient with solving those problems. Like necessity is the mother of invention on this one. Mm -hmm. And then when you go away for eight months, that's just revolutionary. Like you have to put someone else in charge. You have to train someone else. You have to set up a, a system of values through which people can make decisions without you being there to make the because you can't anticipate every situation over mm. eight months. You can figure out a week. You might even figure out a month, but eight months, you can't figure that out or a year or six months or pick your number. It forces you to think through every scenario, which you can't do. So you have to come up with values and then you have to teach the values to the people who are going to look after your stuff so they can filter and make their own decisions. Mm. That is gold. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening. <laughs> that is gold. When you are building a team is to bring people around you. They don't have to be you. In fact, because you do you, it's building a team with people who have different skill sets, same values, yeah. who understand your values or at least can be taught your values because it makes such a difference. And you and I have seen this, so many real estate teams who come together and then fall apart and come together and fall apart is because they're not founded on that. They're more founded on trying to solve the immediate problem of having a body. Or like childcare. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, we're we're two moms. We're young. Let's get together and do our business together. Mm -hmm. And one plus one equals one. Yeah. It doesn't equal three in that scenario. Because mm -hmm. yeah. it's not a it's not shared values. Absolutely. So, so important. Yeah. And I really appreciate that about you and the way you run the team. Okay. So I've got one more question for you before we go into the rapid fire questions. Yeah. And it's been so rich and I know that we could talk all day. There's so many more stories. You're an amazing storyteller. You've done some interesting things. You're one of the most adventurous people that I know, even though you seem like you're like, everything's efficient and everything, but you like to try new things. And even the adventure of, of saying, let's see what happens here. Let's see what happens when I leave my systems, if they yeah. come together. And that takes courage. And I, I, just... I want to I tell the story of the time mm. I drove you and your husband in an F-150 down the <laughs> steepest dirt <laughs> oh road God. in America in a, in a, in a, giant pickup truck and at the end of it your husband mm -hmm. came over and hugged me because it was like the craziest thing we'd all ever done yes that, that was good times <laughs> yeah it was literally i don't know what was the i don't know that it's steeper than the road in san francisco it's this crazy steep like you were going straight down we were in the back of this f-150 because if you had enough people to fill the seat belts in hawaii you're allowed to sit in the back and there was 10 of us yeah four of us in the back thinking, oh my God, we're going to die. That was great. And Good there's a, you know, like the truck's going to flip over and we're looking down the cliff that's like literally right beside the road. And there's an overturned Jeep that had gone down at some point yeah. many, many per years before because it was old and trees were growing of it. But we're like, whoa. For, the, for those of you looking for something fun to do, this is the, <laughs> the Waipeo Valley at the north side of mm -hmm. the big island of Hawaii. But yeah, I, I love the adventure side mm -hmm. too. There's a bunch of bunch yeah. of crazy stuff there. Yeah, it's good times and we've had a lot of fun together. So <laughs> success leaves clues. Yeah. You told us that. And and given your experiences with burnout, with your successes, with the team, all of those things, if you had the opportunity to give some advice to somebody just getting started, what would that be? I'd probably go to the first chapter of the Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And I read this quite regularly. I saw Jack speak at a conference 10 or 12 years ago, met him after, got the book signed, still have the book. It's really ratty at this point. But that first chapter is 
take 100% responsibility for everything in your life. Not that you're at fault for everything in your life, but you're responsible for everything in your life. And really just internalizing that, like, this is your fault. You chose to be here. You chose to be in this place. Well, yeah, but then this person did this. Yeah, but that wouldn't happen to you if you didn't choose to be here. So it's like, it's your responsibility. Everything is just your own responsibility. And I'm a big individualist. And I, I think the individuals, you know, this is political philosophy and stuff, but take a hundred percent responsibility for everything in your life and stop making excuses and just mm -hmm. do things like just accept that. Yeah, that sucks. That thing happened to you or you're in this bad situation or you're broke. You've had a difficult childhood. You've had bad experiences. Fortunately, like none of that's really happened to me, but mm -hmm. sometimes bad things happen and I get frustrated and I just, I turn back and I remind myself like, that's my fault. I chose mm -hmm. to be a realtor. I chose to be here. I chose to list mm -hmm. this home. I chose to deal with that other realtor. Like it's, it's all my, it's all my responsibility. Yeah. It's all my fault. It's just my responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I know you've used the word my fault and, and you're not just for the recovering perfectionists who are listening. You're not saying that you're wrong. You're just saying, this is what I've invited into my life. And for whatever reason, I've invited it. So now I'm going to take responsibility for it and deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we, I have a child. I'm responsible. If he spills something, I'm responsible for cleaning that up. It's not my fault, but I'm still responsible. Mm -hmm. And people understand that analogy, I think, better than, you know, oh, your boss is a jerk to you. I don't know. You probably let your boss be a jerk to you. You should call your boss out on being a jerk. You should be responsible for mm -hmm. the way other people treat you. Yes. And that's a process for some people. We get it. And that's the work that I do, right? Yeah. Where I take over and, and help people with that, setting those boundaries yeah. and getting clear on that. So super cool. It's been so fun chatting with you so and hearing fast. this. I know it is so fast. And so let's go. I'm going to get some rapid fire questions okay. for you. And this first one is... It's for Stephanie, actually. We'll see what that's Keith's wife. Okay. Star Trek or Star Wars? Neither. The reason this is for Stephanie, Stephanie has a Rebel Alliance tattoo on the back of her neck. And when we first started dating, I honest to God thought it was like an ISIS symbol. I did not know what it was. <laughs> I had never seen Star Wars before we got together. So every year on Valentine's Day, she makes me watch an episode of Star Wars. That's my gift to her. And in return, she makes me dinner, which I think is every man's dream where a woman makes him dinner and he just watches Star Wars for Valentine's Day. <laughs> but for me, it is a trying and difficult situation to get through. <laughs> so neither. Neither. All right. Favorite place to visit? Hawaii. Hands down. Mm -hmm. Big Island of Hawaii. All mm -hmm. the time, every time. Yeah. Zodiac sign. Libra. Apparently it means balance. Interesting. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't really check out for me. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. And I'm not sure what I believe about them, but I think it's a cool thing to know. Yeah. Scariest thing you ever did. Anything scarier than that road we drove down? That was, yeah, that's pretty legit. I've had some hairy airline landings over the years. Some sketchy stuff in there. I can't really think of anything that's like, oh my God, this would have been the end of my life. I've, I've sailed and done crazy stuff on the boat and yeah. I don't think I've ever come close to death. 
except for that ride down the hill with us in the back. Yeah, that like <laughs> super sketchy, by the way, everybody. Yeah. Like, look that up. Yeah. Really, seriously, really when, inappropriate behavior when on my part. Yeah, when you're driving up, you can't actually see the road. You can't see past your hood. Because it's, it's so steep. You yeah. can't actually see the road. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, non-negotiable self-care ritual. Wait, I want to answer that scariest question. I brought, okay. a, I brought a kid back home from the hospital. <laughs> that was pretty spooky. Oh, cool. A human for which we have no training. <laughs> and it was COVID. So like nobody could come over and tell mm. us and help us. It was just like, oh, we got this guy now. Yep. Neat. <laughs> yes, that's another reason why Keith is a bit more chill. It's a good thing you did that first and you got more chill before that, before yeah. Kai came into your world. Yeah. yeah. I remember Greg and I saying, oh, he's got no idea. He thinks he's going to like have everything scheduled. It's not going to work that way. We still do. I'm like, mm-hmm. everything's fine. Yeah. Stephanie does yeah. all the work mm-hmm. and my life has not changed significantly. <laughs> Except for the joy he brings. Yeah, you, right? tons of joy. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to see you in pictures on Instagram with him. It's, yeah. it's neat. It's a little miniature Keith. Okay. You already told us the book you're most inspired by. So maybe it's the same book. But if you had to be responsible for bringing one book to a new library on Mars, what would that book be? I'd probably bring Greg McEwen's Essentialism. I do like the success, but Greg McEwen's Essentialism was like a really solid book in just helping me dial things in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love that one. Okay. Awesome. If you were a city, who would you be? Honolulu. Of course. Yeah. Because there's fun and there's luos and there's... It's, it's, yeah. it's a city with mm-hmm. all the trappings of a city, but it's also Hawaii with a beach. Nice. Something you've not yet done that's on a dream list. I would like to go. Well, this was the plan for my 40th birthday, which is not happening because well, my birthday's happening, but the event's not happening because of COVID. I want to do a private jet getaway weekend to Sonoma and Vegas with like four other couples. So get 10 people, private jet, fly to Sonoma, wineries, golf courses, fly to Vegas, shows, suites, helicopter into the Grand Canyon have lunch in the Grand Canyon, fly back out, private jet home. Lovely. I'll be waiting for my invitation for that. Okay. I I hope you and Ray have some (laughs) dough. It's going to be an expensive weekend. Oh, yeah. Well, it sounds wonderful, though. Yeah. And uh, it's, I love that you dream that big. It's been moved to my 50th birthday. I just, like, I couldn't get people to commit this year because Mm, it's just a weird year. Yeah. 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 Cool. What would you call your life business project? So, Mine's the Stellar Life Project yep. for lots of obvious reasons. If you named yours, what would it be? Easy answer. Living the dream. I know. I uh, The backstory on that, I went through a divorce and a depression in my late 20s, and I started just acting as if things were okay. And people would say, how are you doing? And I got tired of saying, well, I'm miserable because I'm divorced and underweight and broke and like all those things. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, I just started saying living the dream. And I figured eventually it would just start to come true. I've now got it inscribed on the inside of my suits and I've got cufflinks that say it. it that's, that's my slogan. It's living the dream. You got a picture frame. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My last question, you already answered it, but let's just wrap it up with that one. Success leaves clues. What's your clue? It's that someone's been there before, right? Just go, go copycat, go steal, but make it your own. You don't have to do exactly what they're doing because sometimes you see it. Oh, that person's successful. I can't do what that person does. Like you listen to this podcast that you might think, oh, Keith's successful, but I can't do that. Well, no, but you could do part of it. 
you could take a one month sabbatical. You could build a different type of relationship with your client. You could find a new way to remain top of mind in your business. There's clues. There's not answers. Success doesn't leave answers. It leaves clues. So just take the clues and figure them out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Or hire a coach. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the whole point. Like a coach's job. And I've, I've always had a coach mm-hmm. since I got into business. A coach will help you see your blind spot. Right. And that's what you do. Sometimes you do that with me. Like you're just like, oh, have you looked at this thing? I'm like, damn it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're one of the reasons I got into coaching because it was my first experience with coaching. You introduced me to the person who became my business coach as a realtor, which yeah. made all the difference. And that led me down this amazing, wonderful path that leads me here today, having this conversation. Who would have imagined all those years ago? I didn't see this yeah. coming. <laughs> I know you did. I mean, my 30s were crazy. I can't imagine what's going to happen in my 40s. <laughs> right. Yeah. So because you're living the dream. Keith, how do people get in touch with you? If you Google Keith Roy and you can't find me, I'm not doing my job. Exactly. And you're on Instagram, Realtor, Realtor Keith, Keith Roy. Realtor Keith Roy. So it has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much, Keith, for being an example to me and to my listeners of what's possible when you choose to live the dream. Happy to be here. Thanks, Deb. Thanks, Keith. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and follow us wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. I'm your host, Deborah Stellingworth. See you next week on the Stellar Life Project podcast.